Another part uh, with the automations that I'm excited about is what we call, we're calling them code snippets, and it lets you write some custom liquid code to set different product fields based on other fields within that data. If you have a product that has boys in the title, you can say set the Google Shopping meta field for gender to male, set the age group to you know to the child, I think it would be, and do all those things. And you can run those either on a one-off basis against products where you can um, set it up so anytime a product is created and or updated, that logic would be applied to the product. Hey everyone, welcome back to the latest edition of the Liquid Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, with my co-host, Taylor. And today we're excited to talk with Daniel Beck of AbleStar. Daniel, can you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Carl. Um, hi, Taylor. Um, my name is Daniel, and I'm the CEO of AbleStar. We have five apps on the Shopify App Store. The most popular one is called the Bulk Product Editor from AbleStar, and um, over 10,000 merchants have used it to manage your product data. And yeah, I'm very excited to be here on the show. Thanks, both of you, for having me. It is our pleasure. And uh, I know we can't wait to dig in with that. But as always, we like to start our podcast with a little catch up on what's going on in your life, what's something interesting you're working on, what's something new. So. Um, Taylor, you want to go first? I'm talking so much. Yeah, sure. That's you're hilarious. You're ta- you're talking so much. That's fine. <laughs> Now's my time to start talking. It's fun. Sure, I'll be that guy. Uh, mainly, most of my stuff uh, in the e-commerce world. This you know this gets released later, or whatever. But we're like in the middle of like Black Friday, Cyber Monday prep at the moment, and so that's pretty much what I've been heads down in uh, getting stuff ready. Was super fortunate. I had a merchant working with uh, Global E. Uh, they're they're the merchant who's behind the whole like shop. Uh, powering like Markets Pro and all this stuff or whatever. So that way folks can sell internationally and deal with like things like taxes and duties, things like us American folk don't ever think about like VAT tax and stuff like that. Like I have, I have no idea what any of that stuff is. And so, um, but merchants can work with them directly before they haven't been able to upgrade to checkout extensibility quite yet, even though that's available for other folks, just because of all that extra stuff that's happening. Uh, but I made a connection, thankfully through Twitter Got to talk to one of their um, their product leads, uh, their director of product, uh, Yoav. Uh, he's the man uh, because he got us all set up. We got him launched. Uh, everything's prepped, ready for Black Friday. We did a bunch of testing and stuff this week, and so I'm super excited about that. Uh, and you know, because just was able to get them a couple of checkout extensions specific for Black Friday and and all this other fun stuff. Uh, the other thing, maybe a, a annoying thing that I worked with this past week too, was uh, dealing with forms on Shopify. So if you want some like more customized forms and stuff like that, something outside of like a dealing with, uh, you know, sign up for our newsletter, basic info or whatever that we're already dealing with our email marketing platform provider. Um, in this instance, they wanted to have like an employee form, like people fill out uh, job applications and stuff like that. So we need something simple, you know, takes in, uh, you know, a CV or resume and cover letter and stuff like this and whatever. Uh, but there's, there's not really like a whole lot of like really good forms out there. I tried JotForm uh, at someone's recommendation, just was fighting with it for a good chunk of time and didn't, didn't really enjoy using it. So I don't think I'm going to be looking around for another one in the future. So if, if anybody has a good recommendation for forms on Shopify for stuff like that, I'm all ears. Uh, and lastly, why I'm super excited to talk about today, uh, launching a couple of stores, um, really that don't have a lot of like custom theme dev or whatever. Just sometimes folks reach out and they just need a store set up like that's relatively simple pretty quickly and they don't really know anything about Shopify. So they're just reaching out to someone who's, you know, a Shopify expert, 
come in, get something done, set up and set up well for them. So that way, maybe in phase two, we iterate, do some custom dev stuff. Uh, but the product data conversations that you have with people who have like a brick and mortar store, and then they're trying to move all these products to like online products, um, just trying to work with them on like, okay, like this is the best way to present this kind of type thing. How do we set this up well for the future? Um, and also to be discovered well in search and all these other things. So I'm, I'm really excited to learn a little bit more today uh, about, you know, dealing with all that fun stuff. Uh, mainly because, you know, if you're a dev launching stores, uh, that is something a lot of times merchants don't have figured out. So um, that was a good chunk of time just trying to sit down, figure out with what limited product data I have, how we need to set this stuff up. Um, and then in personal life, not a whole lot. So it's just a, <laughs> a, lot, of, a lot of work, work, work right now. So <laughs> a lot of work. Who needs family when you have work? <laughs> I mean, they're there. You know, it's just, uh, <laughs> no, like it's just... Uh, just the normal, you know, kids are swim lessons, gymnastics, all that stuff. It's just uh, everything's yeah. on a routine right now. I understand. That's exciting. I, you know, I never understood the whole European VAT thing, VAT tax. Like, how many VATs are you people buying? And what are you putting in all these VATs? Is it mostly wine? <laughs> what do you need I them get for? It. Yeah. So. <laughs> so ignorant. Carl and his dad jokes. <laughs> I really need to go to Europe sometime so they can be educate me. Daniel, how about yourself? What's going on in your life? Yeah, um, I'm in Europe and I do have to deal with these VATs, as you call them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of what we're doing also is preparing for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, on the application side, we kind of have a feature freeze where we don't ship new features about one week before Thanksgiving and one week afterwards just to you know make sure everything's stable for the peak season. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure about with the themes and all, but like at this point... Most of the bugs that we see are from some new feature that we just launched. You know, you have people using the apps mm -hmm. for a long time and like the core code gets pretty stable and battle tested, but then you just think, oh, why well, this one new feature? And then if you're not careful, that's where you get some issues. Yeah. Um, so dealing a lot with that. And then uh, we can talk about some more uh, later, but we have this feature called code snippets and we're trying to um, do a lot of work with the database, just making sure that those uh, run efficiently when you're modifying your product data um yeah on the family side um kind of the same thing as taylor we're in the routine we have some class for the boys too which is uh, wonderful and let's see we have thanksgiving coming up which celebrating here is a little bit different than in the <laughs> states um thursday is just thursday and then it's also kind of difficult just to get the things you need for thanksgiving like we're having trouble finding cranberries or a turkey that's more than like one or two pounds it seems uh, but really yeah. that's i yeah i would never even think about that but that makes a lot of sense like a lot of that food is like more cultural to our culture i don't think of like us americans as having much culture right you always think of like other places as having like culture right but it is like if you go somewhere else it's like oh that's an americanized culture kind of type of food product that's and you just don't realize like all the things you might look for in the um, grocery store like yesterday my i made some croutons and my wife was saying like oh i haven't had these in a while and you know, in the States, it's like, do you want garlic croutons? This crouton's like... Yeah, there's like... 20 seven, yeah, my wife sends me to the store for croutons, and I'm like, which ones? There's like 80. <laughs> yeah. Here, like, um, there might be some stores that have them, but we haven't found, found them. Wow, Interesting. I always assume how, croutons... How long, sorry, I was going like, to ask yeah. how long you've I mean, been abroad. Crouton, I think it's a French word, maybe, but at least yeah. here. Yeah, you know. What was that, Taylor? 
And how long have you been over in Spain? Is this your first Thanksgiving in Spain? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, Taylor. Hold on, Taylor. This is the origin story. We're going to get into that here in just oh, a second. Oh, sorry. Sorry. All right. Okay. All right. All right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, thanks for the update, Daniel. I'll share real quick, and then we'll get into the origin story, because I know Taylor's dying to get into it. Just ready. Um, just ready. So I have not actually been doing a lot of Shopify stuff recently, which I'm kind of sad about, but I'm also okay with on some level. Um, well, I expect it to be quite busy given the Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff, but it hasn't hit my desk, which, again, okay with. So in my free time, I'm doing a few things. One is in my other life, I'm an engineering manager, and I've been dealing with a team that's trying to figure out how to handle having strategic initiatives and also all these in requests from other teams to get stuff done because they're the DevOps team and everything is blocked and everything needs to get out the door before Christmas. So I've been trying to explore some interesting ways of orchestrating that work, which probably is of no interest to anyone here because it's not Shopify related, but uh, it's been fun to try to think through that and create out some systems and processes that really help unblock everyone and move things forward. Um, The other thing I'm really interested in doing is I'm sure you guys have been seeing all the AI hotness, which has been going on for what? It's been almost a year since GPT was announced, I feel like. So it's, you know, had a time to kind of burn down a little bit, but I'm really excited to figure out ways that we can take some of the material that we've been curating for the last two years at Liquid Weekly and utilize it in a way to really help um, developers with the Shopify work. So I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but I'm trying to do some research to see like what are the actual useful value bringing sort of things we could do, not just buzzword stuff, but stuff that actually would help developers around AI and utilizing our corpus of information. Awesome. On the personal side, we also have kids that are swimming. Are we all? We all have kids that are swimming. That's interesting. <laughs> Sounds and like I, it's it's an important well, skill. <laughs> it is. And I will compliment Taylor on his choice of shirt color yet again today, and uh, we'll try to keep this going every week. We Daniel, it's kind of a thing where Taylor and I don't plan ahead, but we always manage to wear the same color shirt. Sometimes, sometimes it happens. It's just yeah. I don't know. It's well, I, and and for the most part, like I'm not a. I kind of have a. I don't know a, a brand like I don't like to be flashy like I, I usually wear like pretty like laid back kind of type stuff or whatever so my wife always teases me about that it's like your favorite color is like gray you know it's just like <laughs> just flat like, like nothing <laughs> if you live in the midwest especially in the winter gray is kind of the dominant theme so <laughs> it's just kind of the thing you know yeah <laughs> anyway awesome well, let's transition now to the thing that Taylor really wanted to get to which was the origin story so Daniel You've got quite the story. You're living a life that's kind of different from what a lot of us experience. You've been through some cool stuff in terms of going to a different country, raising a family over there. Tell us, how did you get into programming? How did you get into Shopify and um, start an agency and end up overseas? Lots to cover. Yeah, lots to cover. Um, yeah, feel free to interrupt if you have any questions or snarky comments around along the way. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, so actually, as a child, I grew up in Europe. My father works for a nonprofit, and we lived in... France, Belgium, Germany, and also in Morocco for a little bit. So um, really from, I guess, late 80s, we were moving around a lot in Europe. And my dad, um, for his work, he had a computer very early on. Um, it was like no hard drive, big floppy disks, not the <laughs> smaller ones uh, type computer. So um, we always had a computer in the home and just you know kind of using that um, for fun and then to learn as well, um, you know, initially playing video games and seeing how the video games work and trying to make your own levels and things like that. So that's kind of how I got into computers and programming. I was in for college. I went to college near Chicago and I studied international relations. And just after that, quickly that brought me to DC because of international relations. But 
Mm-hmm. That was in 2008 and the economy wasn't doing great. And um, at first through Craigslist and then other places, I started getting jobs doing like web development and things like that. So that it's kind of the beginning of the professional um, development career. Well, that's, that's a, that's a hard, I'm say, if I can jump in there, what were you, so you're getting jobs, you're working in international kind of type, you know, stuff in DC, but you're getting side jobs on web development. What, what caused that, that jump just because of your interest from childhood of, of building things with a computer? Yeah, I actually didn't have a job when I moved to DC. So it was okay. just the, just these jobs on Craigslist initially. And gotcha. So yeah. this is, you're just, you're, you're pivoting, right? Like you're just yeah. trying to make, like make things work. Okay. Yeah. Pivoting sounds a lot nicer. But Hustling. Hustling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did that. And then um, the kind of the breakthrough was I was doing a job that was actually laying um, Ethernet cables through the wall and the Cat5 cables and doing the outlets. But um, that was by a business owner who, had a company that did um, passport expediting, but a lot of that was like online stuff. So mm-hmm. I started working with the um, the online funnels and things like that. Um, that kind of got me into the more technology space and been there since. Wow, that's awesome. So how did that lead to then Shopify specifically? Yeah, I was fortunate to hear about Shopify um, pretty early on. And initially I was just curious about the app development process and. Um, how things work and the uh, first app that we made was really a migration tool from WooCommerce to Shopify and the initial thought was like oh here's an API here's an API it shouldn't be that hard to you know fit them together and make an app um, it shouldn't be that hard yeah <laughs> but the problem is Word- WordPress is so customizable that you know you can get it working for your base WordPress install but then you know day one someone has a plugin that does this or some custom code that does this and suddenly you know nothing's coming over um, mm-hmm. as expected um, yeah that was kind of the introduction to shopify and then um, since then been growing it out we have five apps now but the one we spend the most focus on is this whole product editor yeah, which cool. is super impressive by the way i was touting a little bit of this online when doing some some prep ahead of time so you have almost, I mean, you're one one review shy of 400 reviews on uh, the bulk product editor app, which is super impressive. Uh, you know, in general, people talk about struggling to get reviews and those sorts of things. Uh, and so I was showing it to other devs about like, this is just what you want to do, right? Copy, copy things that people are doing, doing well. Um, obviously y'all are doing something right here because that's, that's amazing. So, and it's been helpful. I did go back. So, and that, cause the bulk product editor has been around since 2017, I think was the first review that I saw on yeah, there. Sounds, sounds about right. Wow. That's super impressive. That's great. So tell us about this, uh, European vacation thing you're doing. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite a vacation, but, um, in 2021, my wife and I and our three kids, we moved to Spain from Washington, D.C. And people always ask, you know, why Spain? And my wife's from Brazil and I grew up in Europe and Spain or Portugal kind of seemed like a good, I guess, halfway point between the two. Uh, So, yeah, we moved over here in um, 21. It was, COVID was still a thing. Um, We didn't 
Now it was strange, like we didn't hadn't seen anyone really for about a year and a half, and suddenly you're in the airport and the kids <laughs> are like running, touching everything, licking everything, and you're just like, oh my gosh, what's uh, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've made here safely and been here about two and a half years. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Have have you ever been to um this is the, the uncultured me, but Spain, all that <laughs> other areas. I've I've seen I've never been interested really in traveling outside of the US, but I saw this uh promotional thing online for uh, Barcelona once mm-hmm. and everything there just looks so 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 beautiful, like historic and and all this other stuff. Have you done like some traveling too when you've been over there or have you all kind of stuck to kind of like the, the area kind of type thing? Yeah. One of the nice things I think about Europe is that like in the States, you visit another state yeah. and here you uh-huh. do that. It's another country. So right, um, it's everything's a whole lot closer and they have very cheap flights um, between different cities. So if you book in advance, you can go to um, you know, like Paris or other places for not that much money. Wow. That's cool. Now, nice. I think we all know why you really moved to Spain, which is the Ruby on Rails framework is probably the greatest framework ever to grace web development. And DHH, <laughs> the originator, uh, spends a bunch of his time, I think, in Spain. So I understand wanting to be closer to the source. I get it. I come join you. Is, <laughs> is, are, are your apps built on on Rails? Like, what's uh, what's no. the tech stack? <laughs> no, no, he wishes. He wishes. I came here to learn. That's why. That's true. <laughs> no, but that's um, awesome. What's yeah, the preferred tech stack for AbleStar? Then, what's what are y'all? Are you run run a couple different flavors, or it's mostly you a, have a preferred tech stack? Python and the Django web framework powers. Oh, well. nice. Vue.js on the front end. Okay. I've not heard many shops use Python and Django in the Shopify context. It's usually, you know, some kind of JavaScript barf or sorry, JavaScript framework or um, Rails or some other stuff. So that's an interesting choice. What led you down that path, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, it was more what I was familiar with. Um, started yeah. using it. Python. Gotcha. I mean, two thousand. Isn't that how it usually? Well, yeah. Go ahead, Taylor. Yeah, Py- Python is supposed to be like amazing for like data manipulation, right? Like that's that's like one of its like strong suits kind of type thing, or at least I I know very little of Python other than people are like, oh yeah, like you know, it's it's super easy to pick up, and you should do this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh man, like okay, like I just I'm gonna stick to web dev tech, you know, just get give me my my other stuff kind of type thing. Um, I I have been trying to learn some Rails. Uh, obviously, that's why I'm trying to spend so so much extra time with Carl. But um, that's true. But yeah, that's yeah. is that is that kind of why, like again, your interest. But is that a place where Python shines? Yeah, I think with a uh, data analysis, it's very good. There's some libraries called pandas. There's a library called panda that's uh, very powerful for things like that. Um, I also think several years ago, Shopify wasn't as um, maybe insistent, or they, there weren't as many resources mm-hmm. for their preferred framework. Framework, whether it's you know Next.js or now Remix, whereas mm-hmm. now it's like you install the CLI and here's everything for you. And I think that funnels a lot more people into using the framework of the day. Yeah. Don't worry, just give it another year and then maybe it'll be Python. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I feel like Python is I've, I've had this raspberry Pi just sitting around for so long and that's isn't, isn't Python like, isn't the people run a lot of Python on, on little raspberry Pis and stuff. Um, I, I, that's been my my desire to get into that and do something with it. 
I've always liked the idea of these embedded programming thing. I just never knew what to actually do with it. Yeah, ditto. Yeah. Like, what do I what do yeah. I do with this? I've had one sitting for like a year and a half, maybe two years now. I'm just sitting there. I need to set it up for my kids or something. <laughs> Get them into it. That's that's one of the unique things. I think Carl's talked about this before and, and you'd mentioned this too, Daniel, in talking kind of about your history and getting into computers. Like just having a computer at home, you know, when you were growing up was such a seemed like such a such a lead in for, you know, kind of like a future in that just because you had early exposure to it. Um, I, I think that's, that's huge. And obviously, you know, kids, kids these days, um, a lot of them, you know, they're, they're growing up with, you know, we all have computers walking around in our pockets as our cell phones are more powerful than most of those computers uh, at that time. We just don't use it for that application. So it's really, really interesting to hear that. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting that like now kids, they interact with computers so much, but like if you give them an actual laptop or keyboard, it can be, you know, f- foreign to them. And, or basic troubleshooting. It's like they they're running like seven different Instagram accounts or whatever kind of type thing. But like as soon as something goes wrong, they're like, "Well, what do I do here?" It's just like, "Well, I mean, you can just close the application and open it again." You know, just like like you know, just like work through basic troubleshooting here, man. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the actual practical skills aren't aren't quite there. Uh, it's more about how to use specific programs like social media apps or things that they're interested in. So mm-hmm. interesting. It's, so I know when we were first kind of talking on Slack about this this interview, there are so many topics we could cover. Daniel has such a breadth of knowledge and so many things we want to know from you. But we really kind of settled down this idea of managing product data. So I'm wondering, kind of want to jump in and talk through some of the ideas around that and, and some of the things that you've learned and kind of get that discussion going. Yeah, sure. Um, at a high level, I like to think about product data in kind of three steps. There's you know, your raw data, your structured data, and your shape data. And the raw data is for your products, just the different sources you have. So it can be your images, it can be a spreadsheet of product descriptions and all these things. And at the raw data level, you kind of want to bring everything together kind of like in the funnel, and then you get it to a place where it's structured. And for the merchants, um, you know, that we're working with, this is Shopify. So when I say structured, it's like all the data is nicely separated and not repeated, ideally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like I always go back to this, but like your description is just your product description. You don't have, you know, shipping policy in there, refund policy in there. There's another place you keep that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't dump everything in there, you're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> there and the like, tags. The tags is another place oh, we see yeah. kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we can definitely get to tags. <laughs> too, but yeah, at a high level, we have this um, raw data to structured data. And then the third step then would be what we call shaped data, where it's the data that's needed for a specific channel that you're using. Uh, so if you're exploring data to Google Shopping, you have your structured data that gets converted into the specific format for Google Shopping. Um, and even to some extent, the data would get converted into a specific data through the liquid file to the to your web store. So kind of at a high level, I like to keep this um, idea in mind. Um, and then there's a bunch of other, I guess, best practices and all that we've come up with over the year, um, over the years. And one of these is like try and keep data clean as early as possible in this pipeline. So if you're like importing data into Shopify and there's HTML or stuff you need to clean up, like clean it up there. Don't clean it up in 
the liquid code right before it gets displayed to the customer. And so we're always trying to yeah, clean as keep everything clean, you know, as early as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, clean the data. Um, and then another thing we've talked a lot about and mentioned some here is uh, product tags. So when you know, I started with Shopify and for lots of merchants, uh, meta fields were kind of this thing that existed via the API, but it wasn't accessible to you know to merchants. Um, you couldn't see them in the admin, and some developers might say, "Oh, use meta fields," but they weren't visible. So what this right. led was to a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of merchants using tags kind of as meta fields light and. We see this a lot where you might prefix a meta field with a value like size is equal to extra large, size is equal to medium, to store like a size value for products. Uh, now that meta fields are really a you know first level member of Shopify, um, mm-hmm. we're trying to get merchants to use meta fields instead of tags. And it's hard lots of times because um, you have the store running and day to day you might not see a need to do this. Uh, but then anytime you want to make changes, it's a whole lot easier to uh, update these meta fields instead of worrying about tags and different tags. And um, there's also a bunch of odd gotchas with tags, like tags are kind of case sensitive, but not really. So you can't have two tags of the different cases, but some tags will display the tag in one case and not the other case. Uh, so a lot of reasons, and a lot of reasons we just want to, you know, use meta fields for mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. yeah, I think there's there's a lot there between those. I think the 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 clean data is good. I want to come back to that, but I do want to talk about meta fields and versus tags because I think that's and it sounds like this is like a thing that you've had to deal with a lot too uh, when communicating with merchants. Right, they've already got a store up and running. A lot of times when I'm working with folks too, maybe they've even had some theme customizations to leverage existing tags. So the data going into it up until that point where you start working with them, right, has been featured around like leveraging tags in order to get some kind of functionality going maybe on the front end. And so now the way when I'm working with folks, and I don't I don't know if this is a good mental model, like, uh, or how you approach this with folks, I try to communicate with folks is tags is back end. Like when we need to do things in the back end, you know, they're great. They're great for things like when we want to build collections automatically and different things like that. Although we can do that with some meta fields now, which is really, really cool. Um, but when we want to do stuff, stuff around some kind of back end logic, different things like that, tags are great. Anything that we're really doing to leverage on the front end, we really want to be presenting with meta fields. And so yeah. the nice thing about that is like now that it is an online store 2.0, it, it's all there, right? It's native. We don't need another app. We don't have to do the. Um, there used to be a way you could you could hit a hacky little URL um, to update meta fields, right? You know, you can create and update values, but then you get into that issue of someone misspells something, and so they've created this completely inaccessible meta field uh, because they misspelled it, and you're never going to be able to misspell it again the same way. And so, um, so I, I think it's it's a lot better now that it's first party and everything. But I don't know if you have a good way to talk around that or. Uh, how, how you do present that to folks. If that's, if the way that I'm thinking of it, like tags is back in anything with meta fields really is anytime we're bringing that to the front end, we need to make that accessible. We need some kind of, um, you know, specific custom data. Uh, that's the meta fields, meta objects, 
Um, Shopify is kind of like branded it that way. I think their product lead, I think that's his his title even is like lead of custom data or something like that. When I when I frame it that way, it's a lot better for my mind. I don't know how you think through that or how you talk to people through that either. Yeah, I think that's a way, good way to frame it. And one of the issues, like you mentioned, that is, you know, there's so many different apps and all interacting with the data on the stores. Some still mm-hmm. require tags, some require meta fields. And it gets, you know, hard to to keep them both in sync. And that's um yeah, something we deal with a lot. I yeah, I agree. I like in my mind now almost everything is going over to meta fields. Um, I Yeah, I think so. Um, I I'm think, doing everything meta fields now. Yeah. I'm not, I, I like completely ignore tags, you know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, even like, yeah, I, they're just simply better. And you can put yes. tags on, you can't put tags on variants, but you can put them on, you can have variants, can have meta fields. So, mm-hmm. you know, before everyone would, you might have like five size tags for a product and it wouldn't, you don't know which one it matches up with and all. Um, but yeah, as, there well, are do you think- some, some use cases for tags, I think, for short arbitrary data, but really for anything that's structured, try and store that in meta fields now. Yeah. And have you found, because AbleStar, you, you also have um, an, an app to help people move from WooCommerce to Shopify, right? Like, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got that. Uh, but so, and, and for me, I've seen that a lot because people are very used to in the WordPress world, WooCommerce, WordPress with leveraging tags. And so it's a, it's a really like heavy context switch moving from WordPress tags to now in Shopify, those folks want to do tags for everything, you know? And so then it's like, no, like this is not, this is not actually how we use tags over here kind of type thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed that or whatever, but I attribute a lot of that to the WordPress WooCommerce switch to, to Shopify kind of type thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, WordPress, WooCommerce also has kind of like a attributes for a product though and we also see people mm-hmm. use that a lot where it's kind of like a key value thing so you can have mm-hmm. like you know not not product options but other things like you know supplier is equal to this country of origin is equal to this to mm-hmm. kind of give you this halfway between meta fields and tags right right, right. Uh, if you guys come across anything in the literature as we discussed meta tags versus meta fields versus tags about performance like are there certain contexts or from a performance standpoint you'd be better off going with one or the other yeah i can't speak to the 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 front end stuff in liquid i think it's probably pretty fast to query the uh, meta fields as well i don't know if taylor you have any experience now, as far as there's there's been a reference i mean so tags i know is just like a it's it's been a data attribute that's been around for a long time so i know it's just long time supported i know in the most recent editions they talked about increasing the performance of meta fields just because they were leveraging it more so i think there's a focus on that but as far as you know how they're used or what have you i don't i don't, I don't know about the performance difference no not necessarily okay like from the data structure or database structure, the meta fields are probably in a different table. So there's mm-hmm. probably going to be an additional lookup there, but I don't think the performance increase would be that much, mm-hmm. especially once you bring in caching and other things. Yeah. Well, and so, and that's, I think that the other thing, or, or maybe the, 
the leeriness, the wariness. I'm not sure what the right word I'm looking for here is. Carl, you're always a wordsmith. But the, the caution that maybe some people have around metafields a lot of times too is there's not a good way natively to export metafields with your product data. So like that's that's the one mm. thing that people are already used to right now. Like natively, when you do a product export, you'll get your tags, right? But you won't get your metafields necessarily associated with that. And there's no opt-in for that quite yet. So, you know, when we, when we are using this, because again, metafields are significantly more powerful, in my opinion, uh, personally, and useful than tags. We're having to reach for for an app to help us access those if we want to like deal with that stuff in, in bulk. Because AbleStar can do this, right? Y'all, y'all are working with metafields and stuff like that directly, too. Yeah, um, as soon as you update a metafield in your on your store, um, our app will be aware of that, and then you can do an export. And we have the data in our database, so it's uh, very quick to just um, you know dump dump the matching rows and you know, see the different metafields. Yeah, which um, to me that's that's a huge yeah. selling point because, like like you said, I, I mean they're moving everything over to metafields and meta objects, and now you know we're storing. Uh, meta objects within meta field values on products and collections and stuff like that or whatever. Like, you know, I've, I've done that with a handful of things already since, since our episode with Trudy, like, you know, I was doing a whole bunch of stuff with meta objects, building out little like, you know, featured reviews within collections views. And so instead of having like, you know, eight different meta fields, uh, now we have a meta object and I have one meta field to assign, you know, in that, but it's, it's a real big pain if people are trying to edit that stuff in bulk, you know, they're having to do everything within the admin. Maybe they just want to deal with it in a, in a kind of like more of a spreadsheet view so they can get to that data quickly. So that would be a really great use case then for, for the app because Shopify just doesn't offer this natively. And there's not really a better way to do that for the uh, merchant either, uh, other than using meta fields. So sorry, go ahead, Daniel. You probably have something intelligent um, to say. Yeah, just going to agree with that. And the episode with Tree was very helpful for meta objects because it's kind of one of these things I've heard about and you want to work with, but just conceptually gain my mind around it. Um, I feel a lot mm-hmm. more confident now and um, kind of going back to what we were saying, like you should only keep the copy of data in one place when you're at the structured level. And so if you have things like different return policies for different products, kind of like a good solution would be have a meta field with your return policy a better mm-hmm. solution would be a meta object for your four types of return policies, and then you can link the products to the yeah, correct. Because we can reference it anywhere then too, yeah. which that's what you're talking about in the sense of like raw data, right? Like you want to make that as clean as possible. Then when you start moving into structured data, like we can actually put it where we need to kind of type thing. It's the the kind of different yeah. phases of that. Yeah. It's awesome. So it feels like on some level, I think, you know, we're all developers here everyone doing development and Shopify is a developer by virtue of the fact that they're doing development. But the things you had to do on the front end theme development side of life was just so divorced from any good discipline software engineering practices for the longest time, right? Shoving attributes willy nilly into different things, just so you could track state because there's no other way to do it. So finally, it feels like we're getting the tools and the platform to begin to apply some of the same best practices that you might find commonly in the back end of code or in front of frameworks that allow you to do it. Like, the not repeating data, keeping it semantically linked, all that sort of stuff of the meta objects and meta fields that are providing. So I think it's really cool. But what I was originally going to go back to was just to confess my ignorance. I have not worked a lot with these ideas yet. And so Daniel, I'm curious um, if you could help someone like myself, maybe there's a developer out there who's like, I have not gotten into these a lot, but 
what does your app do that could help people? What are some of the common use cases you're solving both for developers like ourselves and even for merchants? And how can that be useful to us in the here and now? Okay, sure. Thanks, Carl. Um, there's kind of two sides to the app. The first side is what we call bulk editing. So you can either with a spreadsheet or configuring it in the app, um, modify meta fields or titles, prices, and all that with a couple clicks. And um, since we keep a copy of your whole product catalog in our database, um, it's fast to search for the products you want. And you can do searches like find products that don't have any images or that were created you know, within this time frame. And then we can also undo those edits if you make a mistake. So um, even if you upload a spreadsheet with like new prices, if you upload that and then realize that, oh no, the data is wrong, you can just click undo and that gets reverted right away. Um, so that's so this is this is backups for product data too. So if somebody comes in and deletes a whole bunch of stuff from your Shopify admin, but I've but I've got it in AbleStar's bulk product editor, like I can get all that stuff back. Uh, to some degree, if you delete a product, um, we for a while we do keep some of the information, but the product images okay. are gone because those are hosted on Shopify. And um, they're specific. If you make yeah. edits through the app, those are saved within our database, but we don't have a log of every single value um, gotcha. that okay. like the description has been, um, except for prices and inventory, which we do keep uh, okay. a record for that. But that's kind of gotcha. one half of the app is just this bulk edit. So, um, you know, if you want to run a sale or update your data, make sure that everything's correct, you can do that. What we've been working on more recently are automations to kind of make this process simpler. So this is things like you can pull in data from a Dropbox URL to update your stock levels. Um, those types of like inventory sync, I think Shopify refers nice. to it. Mm -hmm. um, another part uh, with the automations that I'm excited about is what we call, we're calling them code snippets, and it lets you write some custom liquid code to set different product fields based on other fields within that data. So if you have a product that has boys in the title, you can say set the Google Shopping meta field for gender to male, set the age group to, you know, to child, I think it would be, and do all those things. And you can run those either on a one-off basis against products, or you can um, set it up so anytime a product is created and or updated, that logic would be applied to the product. Real, and, so you, and, you're, and you're supporting Metafields with that too? Yeah. Um, That's so amazing. Like lots of times, customers will already have an integration to bring in products to their store from a supplier, but there's a whole the product life cycle they have to go through. So it comes in draft and then they'll tag it with needs review and then either using our app or manually they'll go through those products. Once it's ready and they've updated the fields, they'll they'll publish it. Uh, but doing with these code snippets, you can kind of automate a whole bunch of that um, that initial cleanup. So that's, that's awesome. really interesting. Yeah. So how does that work in practice and why did you choose liquid as the code? Um, yeah, it, like Python or JavaScript would probably have been my first guess personally. I think Liquid is something yeah. that more merchants are familiar with, and there there are people like, and I understand it because uh, not everyone's you know a coding person, but like even like Liquid is kind of a barrier. Like I don't want to have to write code; I just want to be able to click 
can do mm-hmm. you know, what I want, but Liquid seemed like kind of a middle ground that was accessible enough, but still more powerful than being able to click. Yeah, well, and a lot so of you, us devs who are already working in themes, like I'm using Liquid all the time, and I'm doing that already. Just now I'm not having to mess with doing that like in a product template. We can do that directly when we're already working on like cleaning up or manipulating the data on that. And that's awesome. So how does it work on a technical level? So you have an interface where they can paste a snippet of Liquid code that they've written. And then that is triggered when certain events happen, like a product is updated, those sorts of things. Is that? Yeah. Um, within the interface of the app, we have a view where you can write liquid code. So it could be if, you know, if, ti- if product.title contains boys, assign product.title is equal to, I'm sorry, right. product. It would be product.metafields.googleshopping.gender.value, not values, value is equal to, <laughs> you know, Whichever value you want. Well, this is cool. I'm going to pull up. Can I pull up the, uh, for those of us at least that are on here, I can share. This is on uh, your product listing, right? We've got edit products with custom code snippets. We've got an example here. Let me show this off here at least. For... So what I'm really curious about too, Daniel, is how you do this on the back end. Like, are you running all this on the server and interpreting Liquid? Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a, um, a view of some of the code that you could you could write in this case, it's looking for um, if the product has a certain tag and adjust some other meta fields based on that. On the mm-hmm. back end, once we have this code snippet, we'll, we'll listen to uh, webhook messages from Shopify. So every time you update a product on your store, we'll get a message from Shopify. And then we'll take the product data that we get from Shopify, run this liquid code against it, and then see which fields have been modified. We'll take those modified fields and we'll um, then call the Shopify API and update them. And since we have that product in our database before, then we also have a log of what the value was before and what it was afterwards. So if there is a typo and something goes wrong, you can revert those changes afterwards. Hmm. That's Do awesome. you support all the standard liquid objects? The Shopify provides like product and variant and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Right now, we support like product and variant and the meta fields associated with those. So there's some other things after the holiday. We'll deploy like access to the shop object if you want to do things with the time zones and stuff. That's but awesome. Right now, it's um, just that it's still kind of in beta. We've been working with. I mean, it's available, but we've been working a lot mm-hmm. with people trying it out because you're basically supporting a whole programming language within the app. So yeah, yeah. Um, I was curious how the performance on your server side of things is with that. Is it pretty intensive to be able to spin up that liquid interpreter and, and process those incoming webhooks? Or it, in most cases, not. There's some stores that just have a huge volume of webhooks, and those can get more. Um, intensive and i'm not exactly sure you know how it is but there's some stories you know we'll see tens of thousands of webhook messages per hour and it's mm. you know there's we have ways now so to make sure that one slow store doesn't you know impact the performance of other stores but it is something that at first you code and you think oh this will be great and then <laughs> yeah. you get twenty thousand messages like that and you're like oh hey we need to make some optimizations here yeah. 
How are you running uh, the app? Is it on AWS or some other infrastructure that allows you to scale in certain ways? Like what are some of the tricks you have up your sleeve in that regards? Yeah, well, initially the apps were running on a small computer in my attic. Um, <laughs> what? It's Really? Not, That's amazing. That. Spent thousands of dollars on uh, Google Cloud now for the hosting. So it's, um, yeah, a lot more reliable. We don't have to worry about little, power outages. A little, um, little more upgraded there. That's yeah. nice. That's still amazing. That that's that's how you initially started out. That's awesome. Yeah. The uh, we chose Google Cloud because Shopify's on Google Cloud, and just the idea of Google Cloud goes down, Shopify's down. So you know, it is what <laughs> we'll it is. It. <laughs> um, that makes a lot of sense. AWS, you kind of have both AWS and Google Cloud to be up. Um, big picture, I don't think huge difference between the two. We're not using too many of the advanced Google Cloud specific features versus the AWS specific features. It's, um, I guess, pretty standard infrastructure, but mm -hmm. yeah. That's cool. Um, Taylor, unless you have like another technical meta field question you want to pursue, I wonder if we want to circle back now. We did have like one listener question, and I think people in general will be curious to hear this, Daniel, in terms of your app, not just how it functions, but how did you get about the process of creating it. What was that experience like? How did you get that initial idea? What did it take for you to kind of get that first version out? What were some of the things you ran into along the way? Did you ever want to just give up? Because here you are, famous app developer now, talking to Taylor and I. So you must have made it. <laughs> what, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, I think initially it was just kind of a experience on the side. I've always liked programming things and just trying to connect different APIs to see how it works. In this case, between WooCommerce and Shopify. There's, um, like, regarding the question of, like, you know, giving up and maybe wanting to just start over again, I think there is always this appeal of, like, a green field where you can just, you know, write your first line of code, start a new project without having to worry about any of the legacy stuff you've built up over the years. And um, that's kind of my inclination is to do that but as much yeah. as possible i should say like no you have to keep working with you know what you have and like at the end of the day it's you get more business value out of your current code base that has you know years of um wisdom in some senses like in there i mean also going back to what we were saying with the bugs like in black friday cyber money preparation um, after you have this code running while it's not always the prettiest, but you know that it runs and it's been thoroughly tested and it has this, this reliability. Um, it really does come down to perspective. I remember one summer in college, I had to spend the summer living in a fraternity house that we rented. It's not, mm -hmm. I'm not part of a fraternity, it's just what the situation I was in, right? And when they were handing over the keys to us, one of the frat brothers was there and he took us in the kitchen. He's like, okay, look, here's the griddle. Do not clean the griddle. It's got 20 years of baked in spices and seasonings on it. Like, do not clean that thing, right? So I think it's really your perspective because, you know, when you look at your old code bases, you could see it as a frat brother does, which is like, this is all these baked in bug fixes and knowledge and, and things that make this app special. Or you could see it like I did, which that's repulsive. Like, you don't need to clean and start over again. So I totally, totally get your, your feelings there. Well, yeah, I, remember I, I have a... Uh, I questions I say about following up with so that the first app for for AbleStar was the WooCommerce importer. Yeah, that's correct. Is how did how did you settle on 
like what was the did you just see a pain point here that you were like we're, we're gonna do an import because back in the day shopify had their own little store importer it was not very good but you know, that's why they're relying on all these other apps now to like to do this right like because they're they're finding like you know people like you are building stuff that that's more stable and consistent here so what what made you think like oh this is the app that this is the first app that i'm going to build yeah uh, some of it was just i wanted to play around with it and it seemed like a good mm-hmm. thing because i could write python code to connect to different apis when i start i might be wrong but i think shopify had an app that would bring over WordPress posts mm-hmm. into Shopify, maybe as products, but there wasn't this um, store importer that they had for a while. Um, and then they did launch this store importer that they've since retired that would bring over Shop or WooCommerce products, but not orders. So that was another mm-hmm. um, kind of gap there. Is there's you can bring over products but then people still need to bring over orders and ideally have them linked to the products that you'd have to have some mapping of which woocommerce products map to which shopify products Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's the question that i don't know i hear get asked a lot i get asked a lot um and i see other people ask app devs a lot it's like well how did you come up with this idea so that was what i was curious about was how you you know kind of saw like like, what was it that sparked? Was it a conversation of like people talking about like the pain points of like, this is super annoying. And you're like, oh, I'm going to fix this. Or maybe like you had your own store and you wanted to move it. And we're like, I need to build something to fix this kind of type thing um, that, that made you settle on a time type thing. But more so it was you were kind of interested in like, I need to build a Shopify app. And like, I know I can get these two things to talk to each other. So I'm going to build an app for this. Yeah, I, I, I agree, though. I think like the best advice is always like, you know, talk to people, scratch your own itch, um, Mm -hmm. you know, stay close to the customer. I was a little bit, I I was fortunate too, because back then the Shopify app store wasn't nearly as competitive. So you could, you know, put something up there, people would start installing it and using it and you could talk um, with the users uh, pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. um, I know even from an app we tried to launch about a year and a half ago, um, now it's just, a lot more competitive out there mm-hmm. so the timing was um, also fortuitous for myself yeah okay they say awesome. we try to launch it so what is the situation over there at AppleStar? do you have some um, partners coworkers, contractors you work with yeah there's about a team of five and it's a mixture of um, full-time people and contractors and we're fully remote fully remote um, based U.S. and Nigeria to Brazil and Europe. Yeah, you've got that degree in international relations. You might as yeah. well use it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together. Well, that's yes. really cool. Because I mean, that's a completely different skill set from development work, right? Mm-hmm. And constructing that agency, getting those people going. Like, how has that been? Has that been a big stretch, or do you naturally find you have some of those skill sets? No, it's been a learning experience and something I'm still still working on. And there's, you know, challenges to working remotely and it's it's funny like if you're doing if i'm doing development for someone in my mind i'm like i want to be remote so i can do my work and then kind of uh, if you're on the other side you're like no i'm going to be able to see you know <laughs> what, what they're doing, what doing. <laughs> uh, but no we try and keep it as you know asynchronous as possible so we're just looking at really the output it doesn't matter you know 
when or where you know you work on it yeah that's really cool well congratulations the fact it's a big hurdle to overcome right it is a lot of people's story is kind of like you guys are like oh i'm picking up random things from craigslist whatever get into it you start getting more proficient at it doing more work and then you have that question of like how do you expand your influence do you scale by starting you know an agency do you try to find some contracts to work with and it's just a whole nother leap and so to see people do that is really impressive so daniel i mean you've got some widely regarded apps you've got a group of people you're working with and that's really cool it's a credit accomplishment thanks um, yeah yeah still lots of lots of challenges still learning a lot you know every day because like i said there's still this like thing like oh let's just start new write a new app and you know, there's <laughs> kind of like the endorphin rush from doing that and you kind of have to no. Keep the griddle. Embrace Keep the griddle. The griddle. Yes. <laughs> Embrace the griddle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to transition to our uh, in the community section now, Taylor? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We definitely can because uh, it's, it's super related anyway. So I uh, had, had referenced earlier before a little bit about how uh, one of the things that I was doing in order to start kind of preparing for our talk today, uh, Daniel, was take a look at you know, Ablestar. And so I, you know, hadn't, hadn't, you know, had the chance to interact with you online yet uh, before, which I saw like you're on Twitter now. So I think we got you on Twitter uh, kind of type thing. So, uh, but one of the things that I was super impressed with, and, and I alluded to this earlier, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here a little bit, um, was just the, uh, you know, some of the, some of the things that we talked about here already was just like the sheer number of like, man, y'all have a ton of reviews and people just talk about how difficult that is. Um, and there's, and they're positive too, like, you know, as well. But one of the things that I noted that I don't see a whole lot of apps do all the time is they offer, they don't offer this, uh, like free kind of type or for free for dev stores kind of type thing. And so when I see like a big established app like this, um, that's been around for a long time, has these reviews, I'm like, like we can call this best practice, right? Like the stuff that y'all are doing, I would probably call best practice because you know, you're, y'all are killing it. And so one of the things that I put out there, not to toot my own horn here, um, was I asked other app devs, like, why aren't you doing this? And I even posted a screenshot using y'all's, uh, you know, pricing table here. And so I got a lot of feedback uh, from this. And so like I said, it's the in the community in the community section here, like I said, but I'm promoting my own uh, post here. But it got a lot of really good feedback from devs. Uh, about it, and even um, some some folks from Shopify, Liam Griffin said that he would he would uh, you know put some of these ideas ahead. Uh, but one of the things that people talked about was the difficulty dealing with merchants who see like, oh, there's a free plan available. Why can't I get access to this free plan? Having to explain that it's for developers, and so that way they can test things out. Um, that was the biggest thing that people had uh, a gripe with. And so Shopify, uh, some some of the folks or whatever they said at least you know people on the team are looking at it. So. Um, hopefully, maybe by the time this episode comes out, we have a little bit more um, information about that. But I think that this is a great a great thing to do just to let make sure other devs know. Because, um, like I said, in my mind, when I'm going to check out, you know, uh, apps for customers, I'm I'm trying to see like, you know, can I test this on a dev store first before we're we gonna have to do a free trial, potentially mess up data uh, in the actual store, you know, or something like that. Um, and then potentially skewing numbers for an app dev, I feel bad for. I'm download this to a dev store, run your free trial, and then like delete it. I'm I'm messing with your metrics probably too that you're tracking. Uh, so those are some things that uh, I thought were really interesting. There's a lot of really good discussion around that from folks, uh, pros and cons. Some folks 
saw this and they said, oh yeah, we're going to add this to our app listing. Um, other folks were like, no, we've done it. <laughs> don't like it. So uh, I thought it was interesting. It was, it was really good, really good back and forth on that. Um, one of the other things that uh, popped off uh, as well was a significant outage this week uh, over at <laughs> Shopify the week before you noticed, Black huh? Friday. And yeah, so Shopify was was down for a bit. I don't know if you can, you can see. I'll blow up the uh, start and end times here, but you know that's like over an hour. Uh, where and and I had several merchants that you know they were only down for fifteen minutes. Some folks were down for like forty five. Um, you know, so big range there as far as that goes. Um, but the the postmortem on it basically, they said, okay, well now you know we've basically got a code freeze now through black friday after this which i feel like that probably should have happened earlier <laughs> but uh you know daniel had even mentioned you know we're, hey we're not pushing anything the week before or the week after black friday uh so shopify is also doing this uh as well but so all of us devs who were fielding a lot of calls this week after that happened um because people were freaking out obviously what if this happens during black friday uh so this was just something um that impacted a lot of us this week kind of type thing um another another big thing in the community just got a lot of attention uh, again this is for a lot of those uh eu uk people across the pond shopify did an update um now uh, opt-in is required is the new default behavior uh to basically meet gdpr compliance right and so people were pretty upset about how this messed with data collection um, in here as well, you know, seeing some conversion rate numbers tank and stuff like that. Um, so just something worthwhile and notable. It's important to pay attention to the change log, uh, you know, because this was pretty much the only place that it was announced, right? Uh, people were kind of upset that Shopify yeah. didn't make a bigger splash about the notifications. Uh, but uh, that is just something to be aware of if you're working, you know, in Shopify, you should probably be paying attention to this stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's my couple of quick hits in the community um, for the change log. Uh, Daniel actually called this out. If we want to transition to this section, yeah, uh, let's do it. I don't want to. I don't know where to go. Hold on, I pulled all these links up beforehand, y'all. But let me get this moved over for us here. Daniel, I don't know if you want to talk about this while you're excited about uh, these new webhook topics for Meta Objects. Yeah, so for um, all app developers, you can get updates from Shopify in real time when stuff changes on the Shopify store. And uh, initially it was just products, but now more and more data, or products and orders, but more and more data now you can get live updates from Shopify. And uh, Shopify announced that um, in the next API version, you can get these webhooks for meta object events as well. Um, and this will be huge if you need to keep uh, data in sync between a Shopify application and what's in Shopify. And um, it's only going to, I think, help expand the use of meta objects and different apps. And whereas before, you might have to manually, you know, every hour, every day, or every week sync this mm -hmm. data with Shopify. Now it can be something that just comes in in real time so very excited about this and looking forward to playing with it yeah shopify investing more and more in meta fields and meta objects that's just the way mm -hmm. we're all supposed to be moving right that's cool yeah it is cool carl <laughs> <laughs> come here for the intelligent commentary <laughs> uh, some other some other quick updates 
um, UI extensions. So check out UI extensions. Uh, I know, Carl, you were playing around with uh, some that were in the pre-checkout. I don't know if you've been uh-huh. messing around with that lately or not. But thank you and order status pages have launched as well. Um, order status pages, just a real quick call out for those of you that maybe have been moving towards that. It totally updates the URL, which is kind of annoying. Like with new accounts, new customer accounts, if folks have dealt with that, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be really leveraged there. Um, they have made it to where now you can set it up as like a subdomain, but it's still separate from the store, which is one of the big reservations that people have about the new uh, order status page, new customer accounts and stuff. But um, at least the new extensions have been updated uh, for public view, not just behind developer preview as well. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then burp, burp, developer preview for the cart transform API. Uh, we're running a little long, so I'm not going to go super heavy into this. But basically, it's just the cart transform API. I have not been able to play around with this yet, but I'm super excited and waiting to see other people who are smarter than me get a lot of this figured out. Um, there's a bit of chatter about it uh, in the Shopify partner Slack. That's really good, um, specifically when we're looking at um, functions, channels, and stuff like that. There's been a lot of good communication there about some of the different things that you can do. Uh, as well, uh, basically just uh, making it a little bit easier to work with uh, this, especially in particular with uh, bundling kind of type stuff. And then uh, new fields on the country liquid object. So Shopify kind of like pushing further and further into just more like international type markets and stuff. Uh, this is really handy just because um, I even was working with someone uh, just this past week who was messaging me asking about like, well, hey, how do we like access uh you know stuff specific to markets or whatever uh, when we're trying to mess around with this stuff via liquid and so there's there's a lot of really specific things that you have to do when you're considering um all that but biggest thing that i've found is uh the localization um object i think off the top of my head now i'm like shoot that's that's the right one right um when you're dealing with that stuff when you're having to deal with uh, country locale specific and markets uh, that's one of the best easiest ways to access it uh, but in the future, I think it'll be good to see a little bit more of this. Um, I've definitely played around a little bit more with this with some of the merchants I've been working with. Um, so nice to see that this is expanding a bit. And then uh, last but not least, and there's obviously tons of other stuff, a uh, new version of Hydrogen has been released, a uh, handful of breaking changes, again, built on Remix and updating to Remix 2. So just for those of you that are playing around with the headless environment uh, and those sorts of things, uh, just be on the lookout here uh, for some updates if you're trying to use uh, the newest and funnest stuff. But that's uh, that's my real quick yeah. rundown there uh, without going too heavy into this kind of type thing. I don't want to run too long here. Oh, that's great, Taylor. I appreciate you pulling all that together. And Daniel, um, he contributed. I don't know what you were yes. doing. You were slacking in the uh, change log updates there, bud. Is that me? I'm talking to you, yeah. yeah. Daniel's contributed yeah. like two. Oh, actually, what was the other one? Oh, the other one wasn't Shopify specific. Daniel, did you oh. want to mention? Yeah, that? not Shopify specific, but in Excel by default, it converts long numbers into scientific notation. So if you have product IDs mm-hmm. it's, or variant IDs, it's just a pain because you edit one thing, you save it without doing the right incantations, and suddenly you lose all your product IDs because they're in scientific notation. They just a week or two ago, um, add an option where you can disable this automatic conversion. And I've noticed in Excel now, if I open up these files, it asks me, do you want to automatically convert to scientific notation or not? Um, so like, just no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Dealing with these product spreadsheets um, with variant IDs or product IDs, it's 
comes up so often. I'm really happy that this is now a thing. Nice. Yeah. Especially if you're moving around a lot of data back and forth between systems, like you're going to have to use, you're using Excel, you're using Google Sheets or something at some point or another kind of type thing, right? Uh, and then obviously to, you know, um, you know something something like uh, AbleStar when you really get it heavy into having to go back and forth there. Awesome. All right. Should we do um, pick of the week? So I have two this week. Um, the first one is two. That's this. against the rules, Carl. I know. What's my podcast? My <laughs> rules. Uh, <laughs> a desk treadmill, right? So I uh, this is my really precarious leading tower of laptop setup right now. I need to get an actual like desk that works for this. But I have been doing so much, so many more meetings in that other role I have as engineering manager. It was just killing me. Um, it's much less exercise. So I found that having a desk treadmill has been super helpful for me just to be able to walk. And my coworkers, they're all okay with it. You know, I check with that first. And uh, this particular one I picked up on Craigslist um, for super cheap compared to what it goes retail. So it's really quiet. So it's not annoying at all. It's just nice because you do get the exercise. But more than that, I think it helps me focus. It really helps me have a better attitude about being in, you know, four or five hours of meetings a day or whatever it might be. So nice. that's number one. The next one is I need your guys' help because I am a cheese ball connoisseur. You may or may not know that. And I think that this is the best cheese ball I found so far. The Kroger brand in the bag cheese balls. Um, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, internet. Um, they also sell the tub here. Oh, that's These are cheesy. different. They're different. Um, and so the trouble is, I'm trying to find the world's best cheese ball. And so I've tried Utz brand. I've tried the Kroger brand in the bin here, but it's the bag that I think is the best. So if you're out there, internet, and you have a recommendation. I would love, love, love to hear what that might be. Let's find the best cheese ball. You crack me up, man. You and your cheese balls. That's I ate awesome. a whole bag yesterday for lunch. It's it's bad. Again? It's bad. I know. Carl, I didn't mean to. Carl, Carl texted me like two weeks ago and was like, oh, man, I just ate a whole bag of cheese balls. And then the next day, he texted me and said, I'm so mad at yesterday, Carl, for eating all the cheese balls. Yeah. <laughs> What's it's wrong with you? <laughs> you got the um, the treadmill, though, right? So you're good. Yeah, well, there you go. So I've, I've reached homeostasis, but still, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How about, how about you, Daniel? Do you want, since you're the guest, you can go next. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you can pull this up, uh, Taylor, but. Uh, oh, yeah. I've pulled up. Dot com. Um, kind of backstory about this. The person that runs this website, his name is Cliff Stoll, and he's a astronomer at Berkeley back in the 80s. And he was also a systems administrator back then and basically found out that these Russians were breaking into Berkeley's computer systems and got involved with the FBI. But this was back in like 1986. So this whole idea was new. And he wrote a book called Cuckoo's Egg, kind of talking about it. It's a good book. Have you read it? I have. That's good. Okay. So anyway, I found out recently he also sells these glass bottles online and there's mathematical properties to these i do not understand but i think mathematically the volume of the bottle is zero because it kind of like folds in on itself Um, but they're pretty cool and i had just ordered one but i also like it because in the days of all these e-commerce shopify websites we're looking at this is also an e-commerce website that (laughs) does sales and it has about four lines of css if you include the new lines, uh, but it just has the information you want. And when I placed my order, he sent 
an email of him with the bottle in front of like flowers in his garden and like the whole thing saying nice. So it was just a very, um, I don't know, kind of like a, you know, we think e-commerce has to be one way. And I think for larger businesses, it does, but there are other ways to, to do it. And this was a very refreshing experience I had ordering on here. That's cool. Yeah. Just, it doesn't need to be this like big convoluted branding kind of type thing. Like you could just have a really cool product idea and just throw it up here with some super basic HTML kind of type stuff and, and just sell stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. That coffee mugs. That's, that's how dare you, Carl. <laughs> Taylor, what's I, your pick? I, I would have done better to do coffee mugs. Uh, so my, my pick is this little repo uh called cast out run but so i don't know if y'all played around too much with um, netlify netlify is this really cool uh hosting company and stuff but they have these really handy things to manage uh redirects like really really easily just in like a, like a toml file i think um is it a toml file i can't remember it's, maybe it's one of their own custom files or what have you but this little uh url shortener will basically just leverage like the netlify redirects if you host it on netlify so i've got a little repo so i share a lot of uh different uh, things for clients where you know they've got where their folders go for like when they need to upload assets and different things or if we have like project boards and stuff like that or whatever so um, i use Basecamp and i use google drive for that and both of those programs give you these big ugly urls right whenever you're trying to share them uh with a link and so what i do then is i just host everything um on these little url shorteners uh so that way it's just you know my shortened url and then slash and then you know the client's handle or whatever for the project and it just makes it so much easier to manage stuff but this is a great way obviously there's not things like i mean you could i guess if you wanted to like set up like tracking and all this other stuff or what have you but for a simple url shortener that i can run just like uh, you know, in, in my own terminal or whatever to create some quick links to make uh, life a little bit easier for clients and not muddy up emails with these uh, ugly URLs. Uh, it's really handy. So big fan. That's cool. Yeah, I actually use Netlify to host the Liquid Weekly site. So big fan. Yeah. Nice. We use it too yeah, for awesome. So Oh, ah, nice. Look at us. Bam. All the same. Well, so it's Netlify. So I guess I had two as well, Carl. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Netlify, hey, Netlify slash the little sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get it, Netlify. Cool. Well, Daniel, it has been so nice to talk to you and get to hear more about your story and about your product and app and what you're doing over there. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you, Taylor, you'll put some information, I'm sure, in the show notes. You do a wonderful job with the show notes. And uh, yeah, appreciate your time today. Thanks for talking with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. Taylor, you were cool too. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. <laughs>